please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. And uh, this week, we're going to be doing something uh, a little bit different, part of uh, what I'm going to call a recurring series where we talk about um, different shooting competitions. Now, you know, this may seem strange in light of everything that's happened this past week. I, I know that we had another tragic shooting in uh, Chattanooga where an armed person went and, and fired on, I believe, their Marine Corps recruiters at, at their office. And it is an absolute tragedy. Yet again, uh, a gun-free zone was attacked right on the door. And every, every photo that they've shown of the incident location, there's a big sign that says no guns allowed here and even though the the people inside were not only trained but well trained in the use of firearms they were prohibited by their own government from being able to carry and so which is ridiculous to me because with the amount of gun training these people have firearms training marines and and army personnel have it seems like they would be the ones that would be allowed to take a gun to work I'm, the reason we're not going to spend an hour on this like we could is because we've spent hours and hours on this in the past, and there's nothing more to be said. Gun-free zones lead to deaths. People who are well-trained and able to protect themselves are left disadvantaged for people who have no morals or political convictions that thrive on hate and murder and death. And and I just, I'm sorry, folks, I just can't do another week of it. I just can't go another week talking about how this is idiotic and it needs to be changed because we've said our piece, and I don't think that there's anything more to be said at this point. Condolences to their families. I hope that there's swift justice brought. But besides that, I think it's time to move on and talk about something more cheery for a change in this program. And so I'm this no- week we're doing a segment here about local um, shooting events like competitions. And, and, you know, I was trying to figure out where do we start because there are so many different competitions. You know, we could do chronologically. We could do, you know, by by popularity. We could do it, you know, kind of like a geographic nautilus going out from a core, picking up different ranges. But I figured that, the you know, the best way to do it was simply to pick the one I like the most and start there. That, so, that seems pretty typical of you, Doug. Thank you. So I thought that this week we would start off with uh, an expose on cowboy action shooting and talk a little bit about the, the clubs that are doing this, what's needed to get involved, how you can participate, what guns are required, or what you're going to be looking at expense-wise to, to get started and to be competitive, and kind of just the mythos of it, why we do this and why it's fun. So I... I really enjoy this particular branch of shooting, and I've done just about every shooting sport there is out there except for clays. I'm no good with a shotgun. I I make no pretense to be any good with a shotgun, especially against a moving target. But, you know, IPSC, IDPA, um, bullseye matches, bowling pin matches, you name it, I've shot it at one point in my life. And of everything that I've run across, my heart was just captured most deeply by cowboy action shooting. And the reason is, is because it's more than just a shooting competition. It's more than just who can game the system For best. For you, it's a way of life. It, it, 
It is. Yeah, it's a way of life. It's an escape. It's a it's a chance to take on a different role and to role play. And you know, here we are in the heart of Dragon Con Atlanta, uh, where people love to get dressed up and to, to to take on a different persona. Why not take on a persona that involves a skill as well? You and know, I'm a seamstress. And I have made a lot of costumes, a lot of cowboy costumes, and I've heard every reason under the sun for people wanting these costumes, from conventions to competitions to strippers. Uh huh. And I, yes, I have made some breakaway clothing in my day. But you, like, take this whole costuming thing to the next degree, because Doug pretty much lives the lifestyle of jeans or khakis a a plaid shirt and a cowboy hat all the time (laughs) and boots and boots Uh, i used to wear combat boots all the time back before i found a pair of western boots that actually fit my my huge feet um i was stuck with a pair of uh, danner's um, marine corps rat boots and i loved those things to death i wore them to court warm everywhere and i had a judge ask me once mr king why do you wear boots like that to court i said well you can't kick a prosecutor's butt and loafers <laughs> judge thought it was funny which is pretty good because otherwise i probably would have been in contempt anyway um so yeah i i, th- I find the costuming to be exciting I, I think the idea of creating a character for this is exciting as well and that's one of the things that the single action shooting society really pushes for is that you create a character for your competition so you get to name yourself right yes what's your name i don't have one yet i'm going to name you one i doug okay can we? No. No. Party poop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there are over 8,000 members of the Single Action Shooting Society at this time. So you got to make sure that name's not taken. And it cannot be a taken name. So most everything is gone at this point. Anything that you would think, of, oh, you know, I want to be John Wesley Harden, who actually was a lawyer and a famous gunfighter from the Old West. It's taken. It's taken. Everything's taken. <laughs> so you have to be a little bit creative or at least creative in spelling. It's kind of like naming racing horses. At this point, you got to... You you know, you're going to end up with three names, and you're going to have to be a little bit odd with the Scrabble chips falling on the floor to figure out who you're going to be. You know, how many how many pound signs are there in Qaddafi? Oh, yeah. So. One of the the aspects of this is creating a character, and then there's the shooting aspect of it, and there's also a socialization aspect that I think is not played up enough for people to realize that this is more than just showing up at a range and trying to see who's the fastest and then you know leaving as soon as you're done. There's camaraderie amongst the competitors. There are often um, campfires after an event or you know a a banquet or a dinner or something like that where people can be involved. You're expected to stay in costume if not in character the entire time throughout the event and and the evening's festivities at the big events the the regionals and nationals they have um dances that follow and all sorts of interesting things and there are so many different lines that you can take in developing your character for this now you know there's if, if you've ever watched a western you can pick out you know all of the different stereotypes you can work through you know you've got You've got the the gunfighter. You've got the the rancher. You've got the homesteader. You've got the the uh, madam. The madam. The her employees. You've got the bartender. You've got the mercantile owner. You've got the banker. You've got the stagecoach driver. You've got cowboys. Well, the you know the funny thing is in these westerns, you see the madam with firearms. You never see the the ladies, and I use that term lightly, loosely, very loosely. Ladies with firearms. Why is that? I don't know. 
I really don't know. Uh, it, it's probably more of a stereotype than anything, or maybe a lack of place to conceal it. And lack of funding? Well, I don't think that there's any lack of funding there. I think that they probably made out as well as anybody in the I Old West. I would say the, the madam probably makes out a lot better than the ladies, you know? Yeah. But still, I, I would say that, you know, compared to the people who are bust and sawed, that they would have more access to ready cash. And firearms, you know, they were expensive, just as they're expensive now, but they were never out of the reach of the average person. And in a time when firearms ownership was prevalent, I mean, they, and we can tell that it was prevalent through some of the laws that were passed. I mean, if you looked at Dodge City, that they required you to check your firearms when you came into town. If they weren't prevalent, that would not have been something that was necessary in order to try to keep the peace. And in a society where gunfighting and gunfighting skills were seen as a prerequisite for any kind of law enforcement job, I mean, this is something that was a commonplace thing. Of course, you know, you think about it, back then, Dodge City, as dangerous as it was in Wild West, still only needed one jail cell. Yeah, well, there's more population in, say, Atlanta than Dodge City, so given the exponentially large population, you would need an exponentially larger amount of jail cells to accommodate the criminals. Perhaps, or perhaps the things sorted themselves out in a way that was seen as as efficient and and timely. Yeah, before we decided to get on everybody's right to punishment that's not cruel and unusual. Well, I, I mean... There's some things a man can do that he just deserves to die for. I agree. I and I don't think it should be at the hands of the government. I think that it should be in front of a, a firing line of his peers, you know, the same jurors that convicted him. <laughs> you know, that's that's one idea. And I think that that would lead to more acquittals if the jury had to get their hands dirty in a case. If they knew that if they voted for for the death penalty, that they would personally be responsible, not just theoretically responsible that they cast their vote, but personally have to take a physical act to carry out the sentence. I think that they would have much more reservations about it. Yeah, possibly, but I I think at the the same time it would um, make sure for for sure that the people that were convicted were definitely the guilty party. People would be very very um, serious about what they were doing. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that that might be a, a good way to enforce a greater sense of personal responsibility. You know, folks, this is a, a very broad topic, and so when we come back from our commercial break. We'll discuss a little bit about what what you need to get started beyond the costuming, what, what you're going to have to get as far as guns and ammo and fees. And then in our third segment, we'll talk a little bit about where you can do this in the North Georgia area and hopefully get some feedback from some of our listeners in South Georgia on who all is doing it there or over on the coast. So um, stay tuned. We'll be back to talk more about cowboy action shooting right here on GeorgiaCarry.org radio. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. As we said in our first segment, we're talking about cowboy action shooting this week, and uh, we, we need to discuss what you need to get started. And, and the biggest expense in this is going to be the guns. Unfortunately, cowboy action shooting is not a cheap sport to get into. You can't go and get uh, a $400 Glock and run it and, and kind of be happy that you're involved in the sport like you could with, say, IDPA. IDPA is structured around the idea that you shoot exactly what you carry every day, 
case, or you already have got it, and, and it just is what it is. This is a capital investment, and there's really no way around it. Most hobbies have a, a significant capital investment. I mean, my my hobby, I had to buy sewing machines and and like things you use to to measure fabric and cut fabric and and all kinds of yeah but you didn't shell out two grand and all that Mm, originally i did i've learned to cut down the cost but well that's something that i want to talk to everybody about is how to cut down the cost on cowboy action shooting so here's here's what you the bare minimum requirements are you have to have a rifle in the same caliber as two single action pistols and a shotgun now all of these have to be designed to look like be patterned after or uh, made from something that was made prior to 1899. Once you get into 1900, there's a specific subcategory of cowboy action shooting that involves some modern, and I use that word loosely like we said ladies earlier, modern variants of firearms, which is called Wild Bunch, which I'll discuss briefly in a couple of minutes. But for the most part, standard cowboy action shooting is two single action revolvers, a rifle in the same caliber, and a shotgun. Now, if you're looking at really high-quality reproductions, things that are nice, you're looking at Cimarron, you're looking at Uberti. And Cimarron and Uberti, a, a pair of revolvers are going to start around $500 a piece. They're going to go up to about $750 to $900 a piece, depending on the variant. And everyone thinks, okay... So you've got two single-action armies, but there are so many other possibilities out there on how to get into this on pre-1899 weapons. Uh, a lot of people haven't done the research to find out just exactly what there is available in all of these firearms. Like, there, besides the, the standard single-action army, there are um, black powder conversions. There are things that were made by Remington that were not black powder conversions but look like them. Then we get into the show fields, which are a, a break open and a multiple eject revolver that are chambered in all of the modern variants of calibers that are acceptable for cowboy action shooting. And the price is, you know, however much you're willing to spend. My idea for a cheap alternative in true... Uh, original firearms. Now, there are some other options that I'll discuss in a second, but for going to something that's really period correct is to get black powder guns and convert them into being centerfire cartridge guns. And the the pinnacle of this is the Remington 1858 black powder. And it has a solid steel frame. Make sure you don't get a brass frame because brass frames stretch. And once they start stretching, then you're going to have timing issues and your investment's going to go downhill quickly. But a, a steel framed Remington 1858 will, I mean, a brand new one, brand new at Cabela's will run you 200 bucks. A conversion unit to switch it to being 45 Colt or if you get the 36 caliber to 38 special, will run you about 220 bucks. So you're looking at about $420 out the door. Now, the advantage of this is, of course, it's not a firearm, right? Right. Because it's a black powder gun. It doesn't fall under federal regulations as a firearm. So you don't even have to deal with filling out that pesky paperwork. And the, the cylinder is considered a part by ATF and not a firearm. So no part of this thing is a firearm. So it doesn't have to have a serial number. It's not part of a 4473. And you can order it through the mail and have it sent straight to your door so that if you live in a remote area, this is always an option. And that is an important factor. Because with a lot of these guns, your your little gun shop is not going to invest to keep them in stock because it is an eclectic group. So you're not going to want to invest 
five six thousand dollars and keeping a selection of cowboy action guns for some the random one person who might walk in every two years looking for them so you're going to be end up special ordering them why not special order something that can come straight to your door and then poof you're ready to go the moment it arrives so i like the the caliber conversion i think that they are more historically accurate and if you've ever seen the movie pale rider with clint eastwood i mean the 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 reload capacity of these things is phenomenal I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's it's a great movie, and it, it's a remake of the old western Shane, which was rated as one of the top westerns of its day. I mean, if you do a the ten greatest westerns of all time, no matter how you cut it, Shane is in the top four. It's amazing that I haven't seen this, being that I live with you. You've seen Shane. I know you've watched Shane. I've seen, I've seen Shane. I'm talking about the first Pale Rider. Is, yeah. It's it's Clint Eastwood's modern remake of Shane, and the the beauty of it is at the end you see Clint do this wonderful shootout using his 1858 Remington. And what you do is, with, with a normal black powder, you have to seat the, the bullet every time, move the, the, the cylinder around and use the ramming rod to seat each car- bullet because you don't have cartridge. With this thing, it's the original quick change artist because all you have to do is pull the loading lever down a little bit, the entire cylinder rolls out, you roll a new cylinder full in, click it shut, and off you're going. It's as fast as using a speed loader on a modern-day revolver, and it is just a beautiful thing to behold. So that's one option that's cheaper. Now, you can go into getting your high-end reproductions that are much more expensive revolvers. You can also get original revolvers. If you want to run a pair of $6,000 Colt SAAs, there's nothing stopping you other than you know the shutters of how much you've invested in it. The other side of it is you don't have to go with things that are true reproductions. You can go with modern equivalents. If you look at the Ruger Vaquero series, here you have a single-action revolver, but it has a transfer bar safety. It has, um, instead of having the four colt click c-o-l-t colt as you bring the hammer back to half cock to be able to open the loading gate and load you've just got uh, you know back and forward you can open the loading gate turn the cylinder load it with the hammer down against the transfer bar safety uh safe to carry all six chambers loaded in one of those instead of five like the originals it's it's another great option and uh, Ruger and in incorporating all of these, you know, modern things like uh, a coiled piano wire mainspring instead of a flat mainspring. All of these modern advances. Ruger has also made a black powder version called the Old Army. It's out of production right now. Ruger may be bringing it back in the near future, but it, in the meantime, you can find used variants, uh, relatively inexpensive. They run about four to five hundred dollars depending on condition. And again, you can get the cartridge conversions from it to run cartridges if you don't want to run black powder. And there is a separate black powder category in. Going to action shooting if you want to load your own. So there's a lot of different options here, and we need to think about what else we need to do to get started. And the next, the next thing is going to be a rifle. You're going to have to have a rifle that's chambered in the same caliber as your pistols. And here, again, there are some beautiful modern replicas out there made by Cimarron and Uberti that I would love to own. They, there's everything from every period that you could ask for, from the original Spencer repeater that had to be loaded from the buttstock. It was the rifle that you could load on Sunday and shoot all week, all the way up to the 1866 Yellow Boy, the 1873 Winchester, the gun that won the West. Why did they say you could load it on Sunday and shoot it through the whole week? Because it took seven rounds. So they only expected you to shoot one jerk a day? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Nice. 
Well, you know, at the time, remember the the, the modern military firearm when the the Spencer came out was a muzzle loader with one shot in it. Yeah. So being able to load it in seven rounds took you all week to load seven rounds into that bad boy. <laughs> well, I've seen some people at the reenactments being able to load six rounds a minute. You ought to see my dad loading and shooting a muzzle loader. I've never seen anybody like that. He can just pack them in there and pop them out and just mm. keep going. Yeah, he's. But he's been doing it his entire life. That's what he learned to hunt with, I think. <laughs> well, you know, that may have been all they had back then. You know, then. back when dinosaurs roamed the, the earth and people wore wooden underpants. And, yeah. yeah. That's what I tell him on his birthday every year. Yeah, well, your sister just turned 40. So. My sister did just turn 40, and we had a little birthday party for her. We can't let that slide without telling the entire world that Tiffany is now 40. Lordy, lordy, look who's 40. So... Uh, you need a rifle, and there are some beautiful ones, like the the 73 Winchester, which is just like the, the penultimate rifle of the era, the gun that won the West, because it was the first rifle that was chambered in the same round as a pistol, so you could have one ammunition go back and forth. And then you that got... That was convenient, it, so you it, didn't have to carry two different kinds of ammo and like struggle with it exactly and you only needed to have one set of loading remember that they reloaded what they did out there when you were on the range you couldn't just stop in and and buy more ammunition so you saved your brass you kept powder and ball and you would have a hand loader and reload the cartridges by hand while you're sitting around the campfire and so if you had to have two of those, that's just more weight to lug around when you're on, on the back of a horse sounds like a good old time right there it really it's a beautiful thing um so you need Two guns or three? You're going to need four at the end. You need two revolvers, a rifle, and a shotgun. And then you need a costume, right? And you need a costume. So there, there's a division where you can wear, you know, like the the Wrangler jeans and, and the, the plaid shirts and the cowboy hats, Pretty right? much the well, – well, let me finish with the rifle and the shotgun, and then we'll talk about costuming in the next segment because we've got a lot of costuming advice for you guys. Um, but the, what I was getting up to is you got the 73 Winchester, then there was the, the 1886 Winchester, but then you hit the 92 and this is where it gets really interesting because all of the ones that I've talked about so far are going to start at a bare minimum at $900 and go up to around 12 or 1500 for for a you know commonplace example not even fully engraved or exciting uh, a good uberty copy of a 73 Winchester is going to cost you a grand hands down but because the time frame goes up to 1899 you can use a 92 Winchester and the 92 Winchester was designed by my hero Mr. John Moses Browning. You got it. And the beauty. That's the man that your son's named after. Yes. So John Browning was tasked with Winchester to come up with a new rifle design. And he did it. He said, I can do it. They asked, can you do it in 30 days? He said, if you pay me an extra bonus, I'll have it for you in two weeks. And they said, sure. His bonus amount translated into modern funds would have been half a million dollars. And he pulled it off, a brand new rifle design, in two weeks. Folks, we got a commercial break. We'll be right back to finish up this. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Okay, we're back. We're talking about the, the rifles that you need for cowboy action shooting. And the 92 was designed by John Browning. He did it in two weeks flat, got an extra half million dollars in modern funds for, for designing this thing. And let, let me put this into perspective, okay? Every other rifle of the era was designed to work with black powder cartridges. That means that you're working with about 14,000 copper units of pressure from the breech. This is the way we measure how, stro- how much explosive power a cartridge has, how much it needs to be contained, how strong the action has to be. So all the other guns of the era had a safety margin that would withstand about 16,000 copper units of pressure, or otherwise called cup. John Browning's 92 design handles 64,000 cup, which means that a uh, rifle built on the 92 action can handle everything up to 454 Kasul in power levels, not just weak little 45 Colt or, or uh, scaled down 45 Schofield of the era. I mean, this is an amazing design. Now, you're thinking, okay, well, how much is that going to cost? Because it's a, m- a more modern version. Fortunately, the good people down in Taurus bought up Rossi, and they are mass producing these suckers. And you can get a Rossi Model 92 for under $500. In fact, right now, Bud's Guns Online has Rossi 92s for $459 with free shipping. And you can get that thing shipped through Cherokee Pond for free, can't you? Uh, if if they'll do it, absolutely. That's they're, they're one of the places that offers free transfers. If you don't live, you know, in North Georgia, most reputable gun dealers will do an FFL transfer somewhere between free and twenty-five bucks. So let's throw twenty-five bucks as a top end on top of this order. You went from four fifty-nine up to about four eighty-four for a rifle. Now that's a deal. So you can get you can go get two revolvers that are running about four hundred dollars each, maybe four fifty. There's nine hundred. You can throw this on. You're up to about fifteen hundred dollars, and you're at half of what it would have cost any other way of doing it. And it's a fine rifle. Now there's going to be some people who say, "Well, it's not as smooth as a Winchester." No, it's not. Or it's not as fast as a Yellow Boy. Well, no, it's not. But guess what? You know, for that extra half second, I'll save half the money. I, I'm sorry, I'm not that competitive. And when I get to the point where I am that fast on a lever that I need that half second i'll throw in a short stroke kit because as long as you got four inches of travel from the from the um where it connects with the stock out and back you're legal so there's lots of things you can do to slick it up and save money overall and they're great guns they can handle the pressure you don't have to worry about throwing in a modern 45 colt round in order to hunt deer with it or anything else so i think that those are your best options now the final thing that we have to have is a shotgun and as long as it's manufactured prior to 1899 you can use it which means that they're the the 1887 uh 12 gauge you know used in the movie terminator 2 with arnold schwarzenegger perfectly fine example you can use a lever action shotgun you can use a a, a a uh, Winchester 97 because it's before 1899 pump action. Of course, the problem with the 97 is that it's a pretty weak design overall. Uh, I've been told that if you're going to run one in a match, you really need three. One for the match, one to replace the one that broke just now in the match, and one at the gunsmith to figure out what broke last match. So, I mean, that's kind of expensive option. The cheap way, the easy way to do it, is go get yourself a used double barrel. Now, you might end up with a 30-inch double barrel that you need to lop off to 20 inches, but hey, you can pick up a used 12-gauge double barrel in most pawn shops around $200, $250. So there we go. The grand capital investment in this thing for all brand new guns, except for the 12 gauge, is going to be around $1,500, and it is not that bad overall. Well, then you've got costuming added in. Now now we get into your milieu. 
my yeah. my costing. Well, the thing of it is, is is you can do a couple of different directions. First, you can go cheap. You can go I mean, modern cowboy, go cheap, get a pair of Wrangler jeans, a pair of cowboy boots, a plaid shirt like that straw every hat. day, and, and a straw cowboy hat, and you're done. And you're done. And or you're, you can like upgrade to a Stetson and a little more expensive, and you're done. Or and you can there's there's two genres here. You've got authentic old west, and you have B movie western where you've got the star spangles and dangles and all of that too yeah and you can get those very locally at the the store here in marietta what is the name of that store um horsetown horsetown, horsetown U- USA. USA. I, was, I was thinking about the el paso saddle blanket when i was have you ever been to the el paso saddle blanket never heard no of it. It, it's a store it's got a lot of western type items in it plus a lot of hispanic type items in it and and it's huge the store is huge but it's pretty awesome um if you go like genuine old west or even be movie western you can get some costume ideas and and make your own costume or have a costume made um i am looking at starting this with doug and i want to make like the mistress type cloth costume for myself i keep pushing for you to be one of the temperance ladies but yeah right <laughs> I grew up wearing clothes like that. I'm not going back to Pentecost. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the costumes can be as expensive as, as you want them to be. You can go period correct and have all the right buttons and all the right stitching. and Which can be both more expensive in some ways and cheaper in some ways because the fabric would actually be less expensive sometimes. Whereas those buttons, you have to order them offline to get period correct buttons and, and they can be rather expensive. You can also do, you know, in, in the men's pants, the the period correct fly would be a button-down fly rather than a zipper fly. Even, Even though the, the zipper was invented. Yeah, I had to show this to Doug that there was, in fact, an invented zipper in that time era. It wasn't commercially produced. It was just one of those things that hung out in somebody's basement. Yeah, pretty much for about another 20 years before somebody said, hey, let's commercially produce that. So lots of options here. And and when you make someone a costume that's period correct, I mean, I know the sky is the limit, just like with the firearms. But for for a decent costume, if you're going to drop, you know, the, the $1,200 on four new guns, what would be a decent costume range to be thinking about? Well, see, there's so many different costumes that it's hard to, to put a price on anything. Because if I say, well, I could do that for $300, well, there's some things I couldn't do for $300. Well, that's so, just like the rifle. I mean, you can get a $400 Rossi 92, and then you say, well, I really want the $1,200 Winchester for that price. It just doesn't work that way. But what's, what's an entry level? An entry level is eh, probably three or 400 bucks. Okay. For... It's fitted to you. It's tailored, handmade, washable, and you don't have to have it dry clean. That's that's my goal when I make these things is so that people can wash them and hang them up to dry, mm-hmm. and they don't have to be dry cleaned. Make sure all of the stitching is is surged and and protected so the fabric doesn't unravel because that's a real pain when you get things that are handmade. People don't typically surge them like mm-hmm. they should, and it's something that you just can't throw in the washer. And I want these things to be able to to go in the washer when I make them. It's kind of important to be able to wash the dirt out of your cowboy clothes. Is this something that someone can bring you a picture from a movie? And say, I want to look like that, and you can make it happen? Oh, absolutely. That's easy for me. I mean, I've made Star Wars costumes from pictures out of movies. So. But those aren't cowboy action legal. No, no, the one I made, it's definitely not S6 breasts. Okay. Yeah. You don't even know what to say there. Not really. I'll show you that later. Ooh. 
<laughs> the, pictures, um, the pictures, not the costume. <laughs> so, you know, costuming is a big part of it. Picking your character, having the right guns. You also need a double rig holster for this. There's some leather work that can go with it that can get it really expensive. I recommend Stephen Malice for all your leather working needs. You can find him at... Uh, SC Custom Leather uh, right here in, in North Georgia and he's phenomenal. He's very affordable. He does quality work and he did my Wild Bunch rig which is something else I want to touch on briefly. Wild Bunch is a, a movie by Sam Peckinpah who is probably one of the best directors of westerns ever. I mean you've got John Ford and Sam Peckinpah and they should be mentioned in the same breath. And Peckinpah's movie was a was really an expose on the Vietnam War and, and the violence and, and sensuality of the 60s and it's not a movie that you want to sit down watch with your young children but at the same point it opened up the end of the cowboy era it was set in 1913 and here you start to see the inclusion of things like an 03 springfield the 1911 pistol and the uh the 1897 trench sweeper shotgun and these three items have become the backbone of wild bunch match shooting that opens up the costuming to include uh the u.s expeditionary force and other military costumes of the time of course you still have um western where and you also have some Mexican because the, the the movie was set in both southern U.S. and northern Mexico, so there's some Mexican costuming that's appropriate for these matches. You have to have a 1911. I was fortunate enough a while back to actually get a Cimarron 1911, not a 1911A1, so it is absolutely period correct. It is a beautiful gun and well-revered in the 1911 community as a quality reproduction that shoots well. So around $600, a great choice if you want to get into this very eclectic group. Now, you know, you're wondering where can we go to do this and, and, and how many people are involved? Well, in North Georgia, and I can't speak for the entire state because I live up here, but I know that in Valdosta there is a match that meets periodically at their gun range, but here in North Georgia there are several, and they work as a group, and there's a match every single Saturday except for fifth Saturdays of the month, and the first Saturday is at River Bend Gun Club in Dawsonville. The second Saturday Saturday of the month is Griffin Gun Club in Griffin. The third Saturday of the month is at South River Gun Club. And the fourth Saturday of the month is at Cherokee Gun Club in Gainesville. So we've got Covington, Gainesville, and there is a great opportunity to get involved. Uh, the cost is $15 per match. If you're a member, membership is 20 bucks. If you're not a member, it's $20 per match. So if you're going to shoot more than five matches a year, might as well become a member. If not, you can get involved just by showing up. Each match requires 120 rounds of ammunition. I would encourage anyone who's buying into this for the first time to go with 38 Special rather than 45 Colt. Much easier to get the ammo, much easier to get the guns, and the guns are cheaper on gun broker than 45 Colt guns. If you've already got something in 45 Colt, no reason to switch or run with that. You can also do 4440, much harder to reload than either the 45 Colt or the 357s, but it's a very period correct. If you're going to go with something that's very period correct, you might want to have that as your caliber. There's a few other calibers that are out there. Those are the big three. It's a great option. Stick with 12 gauge because it's a cheaper round to have. We're going to be right back with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
So there's a brief rundown on cowboy action shooting here in Georgia and ways to get involved. There's matches every weekend in the north end of the state. There's matches in the south end of the state. I'm presuming there's some matches out in Savannah, even though I haven't heard back from anybody over there. There's lots of opportunities for people to get involved, and this is a great way to have some camaraderie, some fun, uh, remember a different way of life where guns were commonplace and people were a lot happier, I think, anyway. And so this is a great time to, to be involved. And it's a great time to be involved in GeorgiaCarry.org. So if you're not a member of Georgia carry.org you really need to be and the best way to become a member is just go to the website www.georgiacarry.org there you in the top left hand corner you can click join now pay your 20 bucks a year or 500 dollars for a lifetime membership join up you will get info emailed to you every time there's a new law coming up you'll find out about the convention which is coming up rapidly next month you'll find out about all of the great chapter meetings and events and these are things that are going to have specific opportunities i'm not supposed to let the cat out of the bag but i have heard that one of the chapter meetings is arranging a very special training opportunity that will not be available to anyone in the general public. So things are bubbling along in different areas, and this is going to be an exciting time to be a GeorgiaCarry.org member. So you need to either stop by the website, go to a gun show, and sign up. I bet we're even going to start getting recruiting tables at some of these cowboy action matches in the future. We, we have a recruiting table at one of the local gun stores. I want to say it's this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know which gun store that was? It, it was not the the one right on Sixes Road. It's the one kind of off Sixes oh, Road. Oh, 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 uh, Big Woods Goods. Big Woods Goods. Yes. Yeah, I want to say they have uh, the recruiting table there this morning. I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they do. Mm-hmm. Also, local festivals and such, they show up, uh, local gun shows. So if you're interested in joining GeorgiaCarry.org, there's all kinds of opportunities to come out, talk to somebody, and find out how GCO is protecting your rights as a gun owner. Now, if you want to get into the cowboy action shooting, you can reach out to me. I'm Doug at KingsLawOffice.net. That's .net, not .com. And if you send me an email, I'll be happy to give you any information you want to know about the clubs or the matches, and maybe even join you. I've got, uh, I don't have every gun, but me and my posse have all of the four together as a group, and so we go and shoot together and be able to, to, to participate by sharing guns. And the people who run these events are great about staging us in such a way that we can trade off guns and not have to have that massive capital investment in the first time. So if you want to come out and shoot, we can find a time when I can go with you, and you won't even have to buy the guns. You just be responsible for the ammo. And if you decide you want a costume, you can contact me at jessieking2015 at gmail.com. There you That's go. J-E-S-S-I-King2015 at gmail.com. And, of and course, I'll you know, help you out with costumes. If you have any legal problems, you know, I, I still do all my criminal defense, wills and trusts, and NFA trusts, and everything else at Doug at KingsLawOffice.net. So, Jesse, we're up to the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is a Western-themed thing always. What's going on this week? Well, the good is um, based on some reports here, some, and it says that the number of concealed carry handgun permits have skyrocketed. Well, since President Obama was first elected. So I wonder why. Murder rates have fallen and permits have skyrocketed. The well, murder rates falling are because of his wonderful policies, right? No, it's not. In fact, I see more in the last part of his last term here death and carnage and racial tension than I've ever seen in the United States in my entire life. Including after the Civil War. But <laughs> since 2007, the number of concealed handgun permits has soared from 4.6 million to over 12.8 million. And murder rates have fallen from 5.6 killings per 100,000 to just 4.2. That's about a 25% drop. Which is fantastic news and uh, for safety of everybody. And the number of concealed carriers is likely even higher than the numbers report because in eight 
the eight states, including Georgia, permits are not required. Oh well, Georgia doesn't record the number of permits statewide either. So right. I mean, we've got not only that's just an estimate, and then there's the states like Alaska and Vermont that don't require any permit at all. We call those free states. So you know the the. Anti-gunners want to claim that concealed carry permit people are dangerous. But the reality is the reports show that concealed carriers are among the most law-abiding citizens in the country, even more so than police officers. Mm-hmm. And the actual statistic is from Florida and Texas, their permit holders are convicted of misdemeanors or felonies at one-sixth of the rate that police officers are convicted. Wow. So we're saying how low is the rate that police officers are convicted of felonies and, and misdemeanors? It's pretty low. Yeah. We're saying a sixth of that. It's almost nothing. So uh, you're saying a police officer is six times more likely to commit a felony than a, a person with a concealed carry permit. Commit a crime in general, misdemeanor or felony. Okay. Six times more likely to commit a crime than someone with a permit. And the reason I think this is is because the, the, your citizen that carries guns, he never forgets that he's a citizen on display and that all eyes are on him. So he's a representative of a group of people. He's more likely to show great behavior because he's a representative but you know the left they want to say that all these um concealed weapons people just want to have the gun so they can use the gun and that murders happen by them even when it's not a legitimate use well you know they have their agenda and they're going to paint it the way it is regardless of the truth well do you know that 35 percent of americans think that owning a gun makes their home safer safer i'm i'm kind of shocked that the number is that low it is very much higher. That's where I was going with it. It's actually 65% now since 2014. So that has almost doubled since Obama's been in office. Wow. And I think that that has a lot to do with, with recent um, problems we're seeing in the U.S., such as Ferguson and, and those kind of things. People feel like they need to defend home front more. Um, and NCIS backgrounds checks, this is the background check you have to go through to, to purchase firearm, right? Uh-huh. They increased from 11.2 million to 21 million between 2007 and 2014. Wow! And most of these people that that were buying the the handguns were minorities. Really? And we're talking about um, black, Hispanic, Asian, and Native American where those were not typically the, the people that would purchase handguns. Once again, the government taking an abnormal interest in one person's race and something that is not racially stratified at all. I mean, why do they care who they are? And Anyway. Well, you know, they most commonly stereotype as old white men, but that's kind of going out because it's more and more women and, and different racial, racial groups of women that are buying firearms. Oh, can I throw something in that I forgot to mention earlier? Uh, I guess if you... Speak, speaking of younger people, the Cowboy Action Shooting has a class for younger shooters that uses twenty twos. so just keep that in mind as well. Okay. So for the bad, uh, on July 12th, the Washington Post seized on the FBI's admission that they made a mistake in allowing Dylan Roof to get a gun. So now the Washington Post is saying that new gun laws are needed for America, even if those gun laws don't work. Wow. So basically they said new gun control laws might not prevent every rampage or end street crime. Well, Well, why would we do it if they might not? Well, the president said it might not either, but we should just do it anyway, because this is the right thing to do. We do what's right, no matter how good it is. 
the wa- the Washington Post's exact words were, it's entirely appropriate to talk about imposing basic gun laws in the wake of any mass shooting. All of them underline the fact that guns are shockingly efficient killing machines and no responsible government would ignore. I, I think that the Obama Post there is dead wrong. Then they admitted that new control laws might not even work, but suggested that that's no reason to forgo in implementing them. They wrote, wow. even if better gun control laws wouldn't prevent every rampager in street crime, they would certainly cut down on gun deaths from all sorts of causes by making it tougher to obtain and use firearms illegally. No, it's going to be tougher to obtain and use firearms legally. Illegally, you can get guns. I mean, outlawing marijuana sure hasn't stopped the potheads. I'm just saying for sure so the ugly comes from san francisco and a san francisco lawmaker is pushing for gun control reforms that would require the videotaping of all gun and ammunition sales are they going to put it on youtube Uh, no uh he's probably going to personally go after the people that are buying and try to you know it's profiling yeah they're going to use that as the profile supervisor mark farrell has asked the city attorney to start drafting legislation that would tighten San Francisco's already strict laws pertaining to the sale and possession of firearms. Even though San Francisco has some of the toughest gun control laws on the books in the country, there's more that we can do to protect the public, said Farrell. Additionally, the proposed gun control package would require videotaping of all places where firearms or ammunition are stored, handled, sold, transferred, or carried, which would mean that you would have to record your own gun safe if you have ammunition or firearms stored there. That's crazy. That is crazy. They're not that is a violation of someone's personal privacy. Well, I mean that's what, what government wants is to put video cameras in all of our homes and watch us twenty four seven. Easy access to guns and ammunition continue to con- contribute to senseless violent crime here in San Francisco and across the country, said Supervisor Mark Farrell. According to data from the San Francisco Police Department, like they're trustworthy. All there were 463 firearms arrests in 2014, up from 413 the previous year, representing a 12% increase. The total number of fatal and non-fatal shooting victims remained relatively stagnant, however. And since Chicago passed a similar law in 2014 requiring videotaping and gun and ammunition purchases, it hasn't changed Chicago's crime rate for the better at all. In fact, they, they had more shootings this year than last year, and they had more shootings last year than the year before. Well, folks, I'm afraid that's our show this week. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you are listening to us online, contact your local station. Try to get us on there because you can syndicate us very easily. Uh, we enjoy having you with us every week, and we will be back at the same time, same station next week to have another exciting topic here, right here on GeorgiaCarry.org radio. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.